The Last Word on Sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. Just before I get to the sport, lots of comments about that last item. No bins in Doolan. This has been highlighted several times to the council is one message. Another one says not enough bins in any beach. It's the council's responsibility. Another one, why don't we put in bins like every other country? Suck up the cost and do it for environment. Instead of banning everything, they can't be bothered to find solutions for blaming people again for the lack of foresight of government to a known problem. You know, in many countries, they don't have bins because they make it a requirement that you bring your own rubbish home with you and then put it into your domestic bins because when you put bins in beaches and other places, uh, people then actually use those to put their rubbish into, let them overflow rather than bringing it home where they will be charged for doing it themselves. So I was in Tokyo earlier this year, I couldn't get over the fact that there wasn't a bin to be seen in sight anywhere. You just took your coffee cups or whatever it was, you put it into your rucksack and you sorted it out when you got back to your hotel or to whatever accommodation you were in. Okay, let's go to football. And we have all the lads with us tonight. We have Mark Lawrence and Tony Cascoe in a moment. But Miguel Delaney, we'll start with you, Chief Football Writer with The Independent and a man who knows Spain very well because of your heritage. We heard from Stephen Doyle some of the extraordinary developments earlier. What's your take of what's going on between the Spanish women's football team and uh, the Spanish Football Association at this stage? Well, there's my take. I mean, I thought it couldn't get any more absurd on Friday with the twists of that day and the way it ended with that ludicrous statement uh, from the Spanish Federation, uh, which seemed to directly challenge Jenny Hermoso. Uh, But somehow it's got even (laughs) more absurd today. Um, I think a, a few different developments of different scale, and I suppose different elements of significance. And as absurd and, like, and laughable as some of this is, at the heart of it, of course, is a very serious story that the Spanish government has been taking very seriously, an issue has been taken very seriously in terms of equality and, and sexual harassment. But, but from that, I mean, the biggest one today, or the most significant, was that the Spanish Federation, which is a compl- which the way it's structured at the moment seems completely entrenched behind Rubiales, well, because of all the political developments where the, the, the state bodies inevitably have to pursue four official complaints made against Rubiales, and that could lead to his suspension and, and his eventual ousting from the job since the Spanish government can't actually just directly do it themselves. But because of that, amazingly, the Spanish Federation have gone to UEFA with a request asking that Spanish Federation itself be thrown out of UEFA, which would mean Barcelona, Madrid out of the Champions League, no Euro 2024, probably no Olympics for the women's team, all as what would appear to be a game of brinksmanship, or I'm not sure how you'd call it, um, out of the Rubiales situation. Now, UEFA, of course, has rejected that. They're not going to take any action because it doesn't meet the level of state interference because, because as stated, it's not a case of the state just ousting him. Then, of course, from that, I mean... Allied to all that and much more, something very serious as well, um, the Spanish prosecutor's office are investigating him for sexual aggression. Uh, and from all that, I suppose he may be the most absurd development of the day, but serious in its own way. His mother went on hunger strike in a local church that eventually saw the police and doctors arrive. Um, in which what, she was what talking age about is his mother? Uh, I'm not. I'm not actually sure of his age. She's about. He's about forty-eight. So he's, presumably he's forty-six. Forty-six. So presumably yeah. she's in her sixties or seventies, maybe even yeah. older. 
you 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 would think it's uh, I mean quite a remarkable development in this story. I mean, her mother was uh, his, his mother was kind of I think from what I read, repeating lines like her uh, also should tell the truth. But of course, some of this controversy actually comes from what well, as has been reported by Ravello in Spain that the initial statement by Hermoso, uh, which was kind of much more conciliatory towards um, towards Rubiales' kiss, uh, was actually written by the Federation's press department. But why uh, the hell of- didn't he not just... When he when when he was criticised in the first place, why didn't he just say, "Look, I'm sorry, I got overexcited, I did something I shouldn't have done, and I apologise," and it would all have been over with. Well, I must say, I've actually been asking myself the same same thing. I even asked some people in Spain who would know. I think a lot of it, a lot of them would put it down to his personality, and, and of course, a, a connected question to that: not only why he didn't just do it in that way, uh, also why are the Federation so entrenched? Is there no one in the Federation going? Hang on a second. Maybe this isn't the best idea. I mean, that 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 request to UEFA that was essentially that would have been the self destruction of Spanish football. It would have set them back years, even even right down to kind of the income that the clubs outside of Barcelona and Real Madrid receive. It, it was it, it's stunning. But yeah, you're right. I think some of it comes down to how belligerent he is. How I mean, does it, from speaking to people in Spain, there's an element that he feels rounded on. But again, as you say, he, he could he could have escaped this and probably even kept his job at the controversy. Given the context, had a right to start to come out. Look, amid the euphoria, I overstepped the mark. I'm deeply, deeply sorry. Um, and had that been sincere, you would think it, it, it could have arrested all. Instead, it's 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 gone beyond a, a political crisis or scandal. It's it's now. I mean, <laughs> it's become something where it's hard to believe some of what is happening. Well, let's go back to football. So um, let's bring in Mark and Tony and let's talk about the English Premier League weekend. And Mark, how important do you think was it to Liverpool to come back and win at Newcastle yesterday with 10 men? Oh, it was massive, Matt. If you'd said that, you know, you look at the end of the game and Liverpool are there with 10 men, Joe Gomez has hardly played, the young lad who came on and played as well, and, and what Nunes did, you'd be locked up. Um, it was just abso- absolutely mad. I don't, I don't think... I was at the game, Matt, actually, and um, certainly from Newcastle's point of view, they they just didn't get it, did they? Even when he went down to 10 and they went 1-0 up, um, they still charged forward and tried to get the second one instead of going, hold on a minute, listen, let's draw Liverpool out because at some stage they've got to come and attack us if they want to get um, a goal and at least a point. But they never did that. They made... Strange substitutions, and Nunes, Nunes, in all the time he's been at Liverpool, we've seen him do that before, Matt. Not so, not so much for Liverpool, but you know we can do it. And um, I was fortunate after the game, and I was working for for the, for the club yesterday, and we actually spoke. We got to speak to Klopp, and he just said, you know, we said to him, "Listen, might this be the, the the time now for Nunes to go on from this?" He said, "Well, I hope so." He said, "Because he's a top player, and a great lad." But he, even he was saying, "I have never, ever, ever experienced as a manager a game like that. It just had absolutely everything." But but I'm worried a little bit about Newcastle because I think you know everybody builds them up. They've got some really good players, etc. I'm not quite sure if they're going to actually handle the pressure of the expectancy of obviously the fact they're playing in the Champions League, but also to be in the Champions League for next season. Well, indeed, Tony Cascarino, 
Are there already reasons to wonder about Eddie Howe as manager that no matter how well he has done in bringing him to where they're at, that he will have demanding owners with big ambitions who will look at a result like yesterday's and then have doubts about his tactical nous and his ability to get the best out of his players? Um, I think that can be a bit harsh, man. Look, out of all the teams so far in the Premier League, I think we would probably say that Villa up in the first game, beat them quite comfortably, played Man City in the second, then Liverpool and it's Brighton up next. So they've had a real tough one, or going to have with Brighton as well, a tough fixture list to start the season. Um, They were very close to getting a result yesterday. And also, I mean, look, Darwin Nunes is a terrific player with incredible pace in many ways, but he had a tricky season, not necessarily with a lack of goals, but just a consistency in front of goal because he he had a lot of chances last year. And yesterday, you know, Eddie Howe will look at him and think, but you know what, he hasn't done that at any stage last season. The two finishes were both clinical. So he, mm. he'll probably feel a little bit aggrieved there that, he's, you know, Nunes has done the damage. Was there a tactical change that, I mean, in hindsight, you could probably say, Anthony Gordon coming off, we're quite clearly causing loads of problems for Trent, especially in the early part of the game. I think you could probably say yes. I'd, I'd probably go along with and agree that that should have stayed or Anthony, Anthony Gordon should have stayed on. But, Matt, when you get beaten by the two goals that he scored in the manner and against 10 men, you know, I, I didn't think he really... I'd, you know, I actually thought Arteta made a bigger call with, you know, and I know we might talk Arsenal later, but leaving, you know... Enkete out was a strange one and playing Trussard. Well, actually, no, we'll get to Arsenal in a minute. I, yeah. I just want to bring in um, Miguel on this, though, because Miguel, Mark on Friday was quite confident that Mo Salah will stay with Liverpool for this year at least, even though they're not in the Champions League. And then maybe if Liverpool get back into next year's Champions League, he'd stay on. But what, what are you hearing about the possibilities of him having his head turned by the enormous amounts of money on offer from Saudi Arabia? Could Liverpool lose him? I have to say, I'd probably agree with Mark. Uh, I don't think it will come to that. But it is one of those situations where, despite his agent, who I know is a divisive figure, earlier saying that Salah doesn't want to leave, despite the club being being very strong and how they're just not going to accept an offer, it's one of those ones where the noise doesn't really go away, kind of flared up again over the weekend. Um, just because of those stances, I don't think it will come. And ultimately with Salah, no matter what he wants, I mean, it, it comes down to Liverpool whether they accept it. He's under contract. Um, and my thinking would still be he um, he stays for another season at least. But it's probably it's probably one of those ones that's not going to go away until the very last minute of the window when it closes. And and this is another thing we've seen with the Saudi Pro League this summer. Um, they will continue to make bids even if they're very much told it's not happening. Uh, the, the Mbappe uh, example being a, a case in point. Okay. Yes, Mark. And I think doesn't doesn't the, Miguel know? Doesn't the Saudi window stay open longer than yeah? Twentieth of September, twentieth September, okay. which makes it anything okay. Uh, okay. But but I'm also interested. I want to go back to you, Tony, about Arsenal because I'm sure a lot of Arsenal fans will feel that they threw away two points at home to Fulham and were ready two points behind Manchester City because of it, even only after three games. But is there a sense of that Arteta, with some of his transfer dealings and some of the selections he's making, is trying to be a little bit too clever by half? Um, well, it always uh, seems to pan out that way, Matt, when you don't get the result. Uh, Thomas Partey ended up playing that, you know, that full-back position, come midfielder. Um, like I said, Enketia, I couldn't believe he was 
you know, not selected in the lineup um, after he, you know, showed in, incredibly in uh, the game against uh, Crystal Palace that he causes problems. Um, and then you can say Kai Havertz. You know, Kai Havertz, I watched a, bit, a lot. Watched a lot of him, Matt, at Chelsea, and he, he was a bit like Jorginho, where fans couldn't make up their mind of how good that he was, and well, a pair of them, and. You know, they've paid £65 million for a player that really has not been a big star. Not, you know, the Champions League goal, the final. Yeah, of course. There's been many a player, Matt, that have got, uh, got a big game in, a big goal in a particular game. But Kai Havertz, with his consistency, he, you feel like he just about does enough and not much more. And, mm. and, and I, I don't know if Kai Havertz will ever, ever, if I could look at the end of his career and go, what an enigma he was. He had the lot, but, you know, with his performances, will he just be that 7 out of 10 of good days and probably a lot of sixes in his career? Uh, and that's how I see Havertz, because I've seen him a lot of other than Matt, and I've, like, again, and watched him, and I think, there's a player in there. You can't deny that, but there isn't a, a week-to-week player. Okay, what about Manchester United, Mark? They threw away two early goals to a Nottingham Forest team, which most likely is going to be down near the bottom of the table for the season, and rallied to win by three goals to two. But is that good enough if Manchester United want to be a top-four team? Um, No, but listen, the first thing is, Matt, we're talking about, obviously, Arsenal's only Drew, um, and Liverpool just scraped through, Manchester United won, so so that's a good thing, yes you know, 2-0 down so early and they fought back for it. But then we, we know, I think we would all, as the three of us, we would all agree that at the moment that they are struggling. They are struggling most certainly in midfield, um, which is, you know, a major area for them. But again, of course, we, we don't, and, and the guy beside is, is still unfit. I don't know when he'll be able to play, available to play as well. So he will make a difference. But they're just, they're just not at it. But then again, Matt, you know, you look, you look at all these teams, it's what they played three games. And I do feel we're, we're all a little bit, because, because of the, the way that the league is, is that we look at it and we judge teams on every single day they play. And sometimes you've got to step away from it a little bit and go, you know what, they haven't started particularly well, but you know, you've got him injured, he's going to come back, all, all those kind of things. But I think we're, we're looking at it and we're all saying, who's going to catch Man City? Well, at the moment, probably nobody. Miguel, what about down at the bottom? Because last year we had about nine teams in the relegation battle until near the very end, and then Leicester, Southampton and Leeds went down. But already, is there a look of teams down there who will be almost stretched to get anything near like 30 points this season? You look at Luton, Sheffield United, who you know fought well against Manchester City yesterday, Burnley having lost their first couple of games, Everton looking absolute rag order, and even the likes of Forest, Wolves, and Bournemouth might struggle to pick up points this season. Or am I being too negative about them all? Well, well, that's, I mean, you, you said about how last year it was um, nine teams that could have gone down. We might have a similarly competitive uh, uh, relegation battle this season, yeah. but only because of the opposite reason, not because there's kind of a like there's a competitiveness of the teams, but so many of them. Uh, are so short of what's required. Uh, yeah, I mean, ever, it's, Everton are just... It really is incredible, given their experience, given still, you would say, some of the quality in that squad. Although I suppose um, maybe kind of a lot of Everton supporters, people around the club would say this is one of the issues that has become so stale there and so toxic. But also given that they're managed by Sean Dyche, the sort of manager who's supposed to be ideal for the situation. 
and they look like they're just dropping like a stone. Um, I mean, they, they, it's it, it's hard to think of a team look a greater certainty for relegations than maybe Derby in 2007-8, and this is Everton. Um, Luton, I, I watched Luton on, I was at the Chelsea game on Friday, and I thought Luton were actually quite good good for a lot of the game, gave Chelsea some really nervous moments, really went for it, but it, ha- it has the feel of just one of those teams that have almost been promoted too early. There's, like, there's a good substance there, but probably just not enough for the Premier League right now, and they'll... they'll go down, use the parachute money in the year in the Premier League to kind of rebuild, maybe come back stronger. Burnley, it feels like company is way too open. It feels really quite quite nice. It's almost like a, a Mowbray team, Mowbray's West Brom or something like that, that they can play nice football, but it's too open and get picked off. And Sheffield United, a lot of fight, but um, but again, uh, okay. lacking what's required. Matt? Yes, Matt? very briefly, please. Very briefly, who thinks that Luton will actually get out of the bottom three? for all yeah. season. I think they'll be there. And they might be there with Everton, the way Everton are going for the whole yeah. season. Thank you very much, Mark Lawrence and Tony Cascarino and Miguel Delaney. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.